maturity and growing. In fact, that's where the, the writer of Hebrews says, you know, by this time you should be able to teach others, but you're still immature. And then he goes into this analogy about the rain and the land that drinks in the rain that often falls upon it and produces a harvest receives the blessing of the Lord. But if it produces thorns and thistles, then it's going to be burned. And, you know, there, there are times where people are like, oh, we just need a fresh move of God. We need the rain of the Spirit. And I'm not going to deny that. But can I tell you something? God's always working. He's always raining. And if you're not receiving His rain on a regular basis, your life is not going to produce fruit. You can sit in a worship service and God could be raining all over the place, but if your heart is not receiving it, I've watched people walk out and say, man, God did so much today. And other people walk out and be like, man, that was boring. And it's not just the worship service. Monday morning, tomorrow morning, when, you, when that alarm goes off, you can choose to receive the rain or you can choose to be a grump. I'm just going to preach early today. Because this is what we're talking about today. And as Stan shared that scripture earlier, we have been given everything we need. You don't need anything else. It's in you. The person of the Holy Spirit, the moment you put faith in Jesus, comes to live in you, and we have it all. If we choose not to tap into it, if we choose not to yield to it, if we choose not to drink in the rain that is falling, I know we look around and we're like, oh, the, the world's going to hell. It's terrible. No, the rain of the Spirit is falling. Which one are you going to drink? You choose which well you want to drink from. Today I've said before you, life and death, choose life. Praise God, I'm going to preach today. This is going to be great. But let me do some announcements before we get into that. Um, connect cards are out on the table. If you are a guest especially and you want to connect with us or if you want to share prayer requests, if you're a regular with us, or if we've missed your birthday anniversary or you've changed phone number, email, anything, if you're not getting our text messages regularly, use those connect cards. Either the physical ones or the QR code on the screen will take you to an electronic one and you can use that to connect with us and to share responses and uh, to to contact us. So use that. No house of prayer tonight um, because of the holiday weekend. We won't be meeting tonight, but we will resume next week at 6 o'clock. Connection point this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to be at Central Park again, uh, not in New York City. Central Park is right across the street. I'm trying to think of where we are. It's right over there, um, and it's right beside Splash Central. And so that's where we'll meet. Bring a lawn chair with you. Bring a snack if you want. Bring your own beverage, and uh, we'll just hang out for a little bit together this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who prayed for us this week at camp. Uh, safe drive out for everybody. I didn't hear of any travel problems, breakdowns, anything on the roads. Um, safe week at camp. Nobody to the ER. In fact, the nurse that was there said this is the first week. She's worked um, many camps. This is the first week she didn't take anyone to the hospital at all or send anybody in. And so it was a great week, fantastic week. Weather was almost perfect. There was one day it was a little hot and humid. Um, humidity in the Black Hills and never knew it was a thing but thankfully a, a quick thunderstorm rolled in took care of that and then it was beautiful weather again and the only time it was hot was during weather day act or weather water day activities praise the Lord so I mean even that was like was just perfect we took six campers with us six six campers with us of those six four received the baptism in the Holy Spirit for the first time one, yeah, one felt um, called to pastoral ministry and uh, so many different classes and teachings. Um, one on even guarding our hearts, which is what we're going to be talking about in the month of July. And so I asked all those campers, hey, send me those notes from that class because uh, I might want to add something to a sermon sometime during the month. And so thank you for your prayers. Pray for our students now as they get back into the routine of life and um, their life here. The same God that was at camp is the same God that lives here, but we have to learn how to drink here it's easier to drink when everything's provided for you, but sometimes it's harder when you come back home. So continue to pray for them that the Lord's going to finish what he started in their lives. He's committed to it, so we trust him. Tomorrow, we're going to give away snow cones in the park. If you are interested in helping, I need to know today. We need to make sure that we have enough help in order to pull that off. And so let me know before you leave today, if you're able to help. We're going to start at about 9.45 and we'll finish up sometime around 2 or 2.15. So if you're available to help with that, 
uh, please let me know. There's a lot of stuff out on the table in the back, so please make sure that you stop out there. Before you leave today, the offering baskets are out there for global outreach and for uh, ties and offerings and connect cards, books, everything that you might want to pick up or need about our church is out there, and so please stop by before you head out. Today, we are starting into a new chapter in our series and uh, we've been reading a book together called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. We started back in October. And the book is really about how to use spiritual disciplines to live out the life Jesus died to provide for us. By his death and burial and resurrection, Jesus Christ provided brand new life for each and every one of us. And yet, some people live their entire Christian life and never really access that. Well, we've been talking about the divine life that we've been given and adding to the, your faith goodness and adding to your goodness knowledge and adding to your knowledge. Like that's what spiritual disciplines are supposed to be for. The spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible and celebration and the, the practice of slowing and servanthood and confession and the, the Holy Spirit, those are the things that we've talked about during this year. Those are provided for us so that we can learn how to live out the life. It's not like God's up in heaven with a Sunday school star chart ready to say, oh, they prayed today, star. Oh, they prayed today, star. Oh, they didn't pray today. Mm-mm. They went three days without praying. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. It's not about God keeping track so that we're good Christians. It's about learning how to live out the life. I don't know about you, but I recognize when I don't pray as I should because I start getting crabby, I start getting short, I start getting fleshy. Like, I don't start living in the power of the Holy Spirit unless I'm using the spiritual disciplines of my faith that have been provided for me in order to, to live that life out. And so, he's, John has showed us in the book how to know. Like, if you're going through a particular season or you're struggling with something, he gives us some insight about how to know which discipline to use and when to use it. And this is not an exhaustive list on disciplines. But today, we are starting chapter 12. And it's called a well-ordered heart. A well-ordered heart. And the last two chapters of this book are really going to be a culmination of all of these spiritual disciplines, in my opinion. Um, Next month, we're going to talk about the life of endurance throughout the month of August. But we're going to focus on our hearts for this next month. In the chapter, John brings up this idea in our our society today, our culture, this quest that people have to find balance. We want to balance our lives. Um, And he talks about that idea of balance is a dangerous thing. The danger of it is that we will compartmentalize our lives. Usually when we think about balance, we think in terms of pie charts. Like there's, uh, my life is divided up into work and play and spiritual and family and personal. And I want to, you know, balance my life. I want to have all of these things at work in my life. And it's that tendency then is to view some of my life as non-spiritual. Where there's a sacred and a secular And can I tell you, God is interested in every moment and every activity of our lives. The first discipline we talked about was the discipline of celebration. For some church folk, they need to learn the discipline of celebration. I mean, we need to learn how to have a party even when the world is on fire. Amen? Because if we don't, if it's all doom and gloom and we don't understand, God put in the, the, the fabric of the Old Testament, the fabric of the nation of Israel, regular times of celebration. If you remember the book of Nehemiah, when they came back out of exile and everything was doom and gloom, and the people of God realized they weren't following the word and why they went into exile, and they were weeping. And what did Nehemiah say? Stop weeping. Today is not a day to weep. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Today we celebrate. And they celebrated. They had a feast. And then they had a time of repentance. It's both. We need both of these in our lives. And far too many Christians are acting like the world is on fire and God is not reigning. God is reigning. And we need to learn how to drink that in. And the ordering of our heart is a part of that. Balance becomes about making our lives more manageable or making our lives more pleasant or more convenient. The, the idea of balance is actually a middle class idea. 
If you don't, we don't walk up to people who are suffering from a terminal disease or somebody who's living on the street or a single mom who has a physically disabled child and say, what you need is more balance in your life. Those people don't have balance. They're in survival mode. And there is no balance. The hungry child in Somalia does not want a pie chart from us. Amen? And so this idea of balance is not necessarily a scriptural idea. It lacks the call to sacrifice and self-denial that Jesus asks for from his followers. Look at this. Jesus, Jesus never said this. If anyone wants to be my follower, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and lead a balanced life. No, he, he never did that, did he? No, he said give it all. Now, the point is not that we should live an unbalanced life. Okay? Being unbalanced is not the answer. John's pretty clear on that in this chapter. He gives examples in the chapter of people that are in ministry who make these deals with God. Like, God, I'm going to serve you 110% and I know I'm going to neglect my family, but you take care of my family if I take care of yours. False. Your first calling if you're in ministry is your family. I mean, they'll make statements like, I'd, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Well, the problem is either way you're out. I would rather learn how to follow God in a way that I don't burn out or rust out. Okay, that's what we're talking about. And it's not balance. Instead, John recommends this quest that we seek a well-ordered heart. When we talk about balance, that assumes that our problem is external. The problem is a disordered schedule, or the problem is my job, or the problem is this season of life that I'm in, or the problem is the economy, or the problem is whatever you want to make the problem. And John says, no, the real problem is the disorder that is internal in our lives. Life is not a product of what happens to us. Life is a product of how we respond to what happens to us. And my responses are never to be determined by what happens to me, by anything external, by people in my life. My responses are to be internally led by the Spirit. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you've surrendered your life to Him, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. So my response always reveals the condition of my heart. I'm going to say that again. My response always reveals the condition of my heart. It is not my spouse. It is not my kids. It is not my parents. It is not the Democrats. It is not the Republicans. It is not this. It is not that. It is my own heart that is in disorder jesus said in all of the gospels but he puts it this way in luke 6 45 a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of Oh, how dare you say that my heart is full of what came out of my mouth? That, that only came out of my mouth because of that way that person's acting. Keep telling yourself that, and it's a lie. Jesus says what you've stored up in your heart. If you sit and think all day long the, the negative things about your spouse, what are you storing up in your heart? If you sit and listen to Fox News or CNN, you're going to hear all of the bad things about all of the politicians and all of the people that you like or don't like and what's going to come out of your mouth, what you're storing up in your heart. That's what's coming out. And every time it comes out, I don't care who pushes what button, don't blame them, own it. Jesus says that's what's in your heart. Now here's the thing. The reality is none of us have fully ordered hearts yet. You can be a fully committed follower of Christ and not yet have a fully ordered heart. In fact, all of us don't. It's a lifetime journey of letting the Holy Spirit order our hearts. And so when stuff flies out of our mouths or comes out of our mouths that should not, we should own it. 
We don't need to hide in fear and insecurity. We own it. We say, man, that has no place in my life. What does the Apostle Paul say when he talks about slander? You're children of light. Why are you talking like this? Why are you acting like this? This is not who you are. He doesn't say, you call yourself a Christian. You're not a Christian the way you talk. That's not what he says. But some of us, that's how we treat people. You call yourself a Christian and you believe that or you say that. No. You remind them, hey, that's not who you are. You're a child of light. And the Bible says that's darkness. That has no place in our lives. Let's pray and cast that out of us. Boom. There you go. The early church father, Augustine, suggested this. He said, a well-ordered heart is to love the right thing to the right degree in the right way with the right kind of love. That's good stuff. A well-ordered heart is to love the right thing to the right degree in the right way with the right kind of love. Because the fall has affected our hearts. Because of the fall, we have disordered affections. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Right now, the hot topic, of course, in our world is, um, is the abortion issue, and all of that has risen to the surface. And, of course, we're like, I don't understand how anyone could take a baby's life and imagine being upset about babies getting to live. But can I tell you something? Except for the grace of God, that's you and I. Because our hearts are just as desperately wicked as theirs. The only thing is, is the Spirit of God has opened our eyes to see something. By the way, you might not kill babies, but how do you talk about your boss? How do you talk about your coworkers? How do you talk about the president? Biden or Trump, you pick. Because some of us talk bad about one or the other. Because let me tell you this, the same spirit that aborts babies in the womb slanders those outside the womb. It's the same murderous spirit. Trust me, Jesus said, if you say hateful things about your brother, you might as well murder them. No, he doesn't say you might as well, but you are. It's the same spirit we're aligned with. So, a disordered heart. James chapter 1. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, even the devil didn't make me do it. Because if the desire is not in my heart, if I work on getting a well-ordered heart, then he can put anything in front of me that he wants. I won't be enticed by it. The problem isn't the temptation. The problem is my own heart. Now, sometimes I have to avoid certain situations or I have to put parameters on the external so that I get my heart well-ordered. But if we just try to live with externals and we don't deal with the condition of our hearts, the condition of our hearts is what the problem is. And I want to deal with that. In fact, I don't have to deal with it on my own. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. That's the hope. God works with us in this process. He gives us the new heart. Through Christ Jesus, we have to actually choose it, though. Some of us wait to feel something. But you have been given everything this book says to choose. You've been given the, the desire, the power, everything to choose it. We just have to start living it out. We have to start walking in communion with God day after day after day and not live compartmental lives. It's not my devotions in the morning or my devotions in the evening or my my church on Sunday. Every part of my life is His and I want to learn how to walk in communion with Him, talking to Him throughout my day, having a conversation that I never say amen to. Pray continually, Paul says. Walk in the Spirit. I don't care where you are. And if you're not comfortable talking to God in, the, in that place or in that environment, then you should not be there. If you're not comfortable talking to God in that conversation, then get out of it. Because we need to have that relationship with Him where everywhere we go, we're with Him. Psalm 37, 4, If we take delight in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Can I tell you this? You cultivate what you hunger for. You do. 
I mean, some of us are like, oh God, give me a desire for your word. Start reading it and he'll give you the desire for it. Just discipline yourself. Find someone to hold you accountable. Do something that says, I'm going to read something every single day and I'm going to keep reading it until I desire it. If all we do is other stuff, that's what we're going to hunger for. I mean, physically, if you're going to change your diet, you have to cut sugar out. It doesn't take much to get an appetite for sugar, does it? Amen? Mm, can I get a witness? But fish, mm, vegetables, broccoli. Mm. Now, some of you are blessed and you're like, oh, I love that stuff. Praise God if you had parents that made you eat that stuff as a child because it helped you develop a taste for it or it totally turned you off. It could go either way. But you have to cultivate taste buds. People that are like, oh, I just can't eat that. It makes me so sick. Pray over it. If it's something good for you, say, God, help me develop a taste for this as I eat it by faith. And then keep eating it until you get the taste for it. Same thing in the spirit world. Oh, I just can't pray. Oh, I just can't. I can't worship. Oh, I just can't. I just can't. I just, oh! We've been given everything we need for life and godliness. Can't die in a cornfield. Amen? Praise the Lord. The key verse for this chapter that John brings out, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That's how the NIV puts it. The the ESV, the English Standard Version, says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. I put those on the screen together for a reason. This idea of guarding our heart, as I read that, there's this, in my mind, I think of a defensive posture of protection. Guard your heart. Don't let things in your heart that, you, that, you, that shouldn't be in there. You know, set a guard over it. But when I read this idea of keeping your heart, it's like a proactive strengthening. It's, it's like some things have to be kept out of our heart, but some things have to be brought into our hearts. The guarding and the keeping. As John has described early in the book, disciplines are any activity that can help you gain power to live life as Jesus taught and modeled for us. And those spiritual disciplines are what we use to get stuff, keep stuff out of our hearts and to bring stuff into our hearts. There are disciplines that strengthen our doing muscles that help keep our hearts. Worship, studying the Bible, fellowship, celebration, giving. Giving strengthens our heart. It, it keeps, keeps our hearts. It builds our hearts. I've talked about how when I go into a restaurant and I get poor service, I give a bigger tip. Not because they deserve it, because I want to protect my heart. I don't want to get to the point where I complain about that service and be like, oh, that person over there. That person over there is me without the grace of God. Any work ethic I have or any common sense I have is by the grace of God, period. Human beings do not have common sense. We are wicked and evil, hopelessly wicked, except for the grace of God, praise the Lord. And there are disciplines that strengthen our not doing muscles that help guard our hearts. The disciplines of fasting and solitude and silence, being slow to speak. Those are the things that help keep things out of our hearts. We're going to talk about bitterness next week and how to overcome that. That's the biggest thing that gets into our hearts and ruins us. But when our heart is well-ordered, we're not only free from sin, we're free from the desire to sin. And it doesn't happen in a prayer line. I mean, I've seen people that have come forward for prayer, been delivered in a moment from pornography or from alcoholism. They've just been set free. They've been delivered instantly. But the majority of people that I have seen do life get delivered day by day by well ordering their hearts. And so don't get overwhelmed by guilt and shame and condemnation. Just keep inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work and keep cooperating with Him. It takes both. It's a work of the Spirit and it's a transformation that happens as we choose day after day after day after day. Imagine, imagine a world filled with people who have well-ordered hearts. Wow. And maybe that's too big of a task. So let's just start small. Imagine a church of people with well 
ordered hearts. How different would it be? How attractive would it be? When people see us interacting with each other, in fact, I believe Jesus said, you'll be known by your love. And if we're going to be known by our love, our hearts have to be well-ordered. See, in a way, I think the well-ordered heart is what all of the spiritual disciplines are all about. And the idea of endurance that we're going to talk about is just not quitting. I mean, it's just keep, I'm not going to get frustrated and be like, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm never going to get over this. Oh, yes, I am. By the grace of God, I am. And if I'm still not over it by the time Jesus comes back, then he's going to remove it and then I'm over it. But I'll just, I refuse to, to quit fighting. I mean, I love, I asked Marv today how he's doing. He's like, I'm still battling high blood pressure. Praise God you're still battling it. And you're just having succumbed to it. Well, I've got high blood pressure. and I'm, Now, don't get me wrong. Please do not mishear me. I'm not saying that you can just change your life with words. And it's a, but our words are powerful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Oh, we're going to get to that. Let's keep moving. The game plan for morphing is what he talks about in the chapter. And he gives us this quote by William Paulsell. Listen to this quote. It is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives. But there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Let me remind you that spiritual transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot make it happen. You cannot control it. But it is not just random or happenstance. You and I need sails if we're going to catch the wind of the Spirit. And you and I have to learn how to operate those sails if we're going to navigate and use the wind, harness the wind in the right way. Some people are like, I, don't, I just don't understand the things of the Spirit. Well, then start seeking and just take baby steps until you do. Okay, throw up the sails that you need, the spiritual disciplines that you need to learn how to catch the wind of the Spirit. Because the wind is always blowing. Mm, yep, the wind is blowing again. It's just going through my head right now. See, songs for everything. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, do you hear all that you're supposed to do? But you're also supposed, also supposed to cry out for insight, cry out for understanding. If you look for it as silver and search for it as treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. There's a God part and there's a you part in this. And there are some people that, man, they run to every conference and run to every prayer line and they go to prayer services and they can't figure out why it's not working in their life. But they don't change anything in their daily routine. They're not intentional about the things that they're choosing every day. And they're wondering why God's just not doing it. But then there are other people that read every self-help book and everything and they don't cry out. And they're just trying to do it in their own strength and neither one of those is going to work. Go to the prayer line and then make changes to your daily life. Listen to the Holy Spirit and what He's telling you to change and then begin to change it. And some of them are so practical and non-spiritual that we're like, well, that, what's that going to do? So John gives us some questions. We're going to have to process these as we go through this month. And there, there's going to be a lot of them today, and we're going to throw them out there just to get your, your thoughts moving, let the Holy Spirit begin to highlight. But can I caution you? One of the things I pray today is don't let anybody walk out of here today trying to change everything. Whoo! Holy Spirit, what one thing do I need to work on this week? If you go out of here with more than one thing you're going to change this week, you're going to fail. Oh, Pastor Tom, don't say that. Honey, I have lived long enough. If you try to change everything, Holy Spirit, where do I start? Because sometimes when the Holy Spirit says start here, you're like, really? That doesn't seem like the most important one. But when you get that one, all of a sudden things begin to fall in your life. This one was most important. So don't try to pick one that you're most comfortable choosing. <laughs> or the one. In fact... The one that you're the least comfortable with is probably the one you need to start with. But here's what we do. We got to choose how and when we pray. Choose how and when we pray. Yeah, prayer is vital. And if you don't choose how and when you're going to do it, 
It's going to be haphazard in your life. Choose it. How am I going to handle money in a way that draws me closer to God? Not, how am I going to live so that I'm a good Christian? How am I going to use money to be a good Christian? How am I going to use money that draws me closer to God? That's the goal. How can I approach my work in a way that helps Christ be formed in me? So many of us spend so much time complaining about our job instead of letting that job form Christ in us. Because, hey, guess what? Christ gets formed in us by what we suffer. Ah. I'm not saying don't look for another job, but don't short-circuit what that job is meant to do in your life. Because chances are you're going to get to the next one and realize the problem wasn't the job. It was internal. I'm telling you, this chapter, if you really read it, it's just going to just hit you everywhere. How am I involved in Christian community? How can I fill my daily tasks with a sense of the presence of God? How can my day-to-day life be filled with the presence of God? He points us to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Probably a really familiar verse. Listen to this. Whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed. Do most of it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do some of it. Do 65%, 90%. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks. Well, I'm trying to eat better to get my life right. Praise God for that. Giving thanks. Thank God the Holy Spirit pointed out that I eat too much sugar and I really need to change the way I eat. And part of my health problems are probably the, the, the junk I'm putting in my body. Oh, how about that? That'll preach, won't it? I mean, come on. Now, trust me, I lived at camp this week and I ate all kinds of things I shouldn't have. Praise the, praise the Lord. So I'm not trying to pick on anybody today. I'm just giving you what's in the book. <laughs> By the way, all of this really comes from John. So if you think I'm, I, I cautioned the prayer team this morning and said, oh, yep, what you're saying, that's in the book. Oh, yep, what you're, yep. So uh, I didn't listen to your conversation on the way in. I'm just telling you what John says. Because he's trying to help us unpack this. When we do something in the name of someone else, we're doing it as if they were doing it. We're doing it in their place. We're doing it according to their nature, according to their character. So if we are doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, it ought to be Jesus doing it. If what you're putting on social media wouldn't be Jesus, don't put it. There's no spiritual and, and other part of my life. It's all Jesus. If that conversation you're having, Jesus wouldn't have it, stop having it. If what you're watching, if what you're eating, if what you're doing, all of it, cut it out. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord. And that is such a comprehensive thing. Anything you do, everything you do. I mean, they tell you never say never or don't always say always because that, you know what I mean? Paul says always, everything, never, do it. Because you've been given the Spirit to do it. Now, he's not saying that you're going to walk out of this room today perfect, but it's going to take away the excuses. Well, that's just how I'm wired. Well, that's just my upbringing. Well, that's just the way people act. No, 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 no. Cut those things off. I have been given a Spirit of power, and I can live differently. So here here you go. Here's some options. What would it mean to wake up in Jesus' name. I know that we are genetically predisposed to be in two different categories. Those who love mornings and those who hate those who love mornings. That's John's joke, not mine. All credit. (laughs) But let me ask you this. If Jesus holds unhindered sway in our lives, when the alarm clock goes off, what kind of thoughts should pass through my mind? Anxieties about today? Regrets about tomorrow? Or should I give total control to the one who holds today? I'm not, gonna say, I'm not saying it's going to come natural because I know that 90% of the population is probably not morning people. I, I mean, I feel like I'm a morning person, and I, I don't think I always have. I was trying to think back today. Like, I'm sure there were times when I was a teenager that my mom was like, you are so grumpy in the morning. Um, and so some, at some point in my life, I don't know if it was just 
genetics that worked itself out or if I got to a place where I finally just chose, I'm going to be happy in the morning. I'm going to sing. I mean, at camp, I went to bed at midnight and I was up and in the kitchen again by 7 a.m. every day. And my cabin was at the furthest, toppest hill. No kidding. There were times when I got to the cabin, I had to stop and catch my breath before going up the stairs because I thought I would pass out on the way up. And I think I'm in pretty good shape. But I, I was tired, but in the morning, I sang. In the morning, I sang. Sometimes it was the hokey pokey. I don't know. But it's a choice. I mean, if you, oh, I hate mornings. You're going to keep hating mornings as long as you keep telling everybody in the world that. Well, I'm not a morning person. Dear God, help me become a morning person. I mean, we think God can change our lives and heal our bodies, but He can't turn us into a morning person? Come on, preach, Pastor Tom. That's good stuff right there. We are not trapped in our genetic wiring as a non-morning person. So fight against it. Here's another one. How we greet people. Especially in the morning. Our families. He tells the joke in here, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? No, I let him sleep. <laughs> uh, the music's playing. We might want to stop that. No, not this list yet. We're not that far yet. So you need to pause the music there. Um, do, you, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? No, I let him sleep. Think about how our day would be different if when we were grumpy. I get it. I'm grumpy in the morning too. I want to bite people's heads off. I want to tell my spouse, stop asking me questions. Like, give me a minute. I want, but what, what tone would it set if we just stopped and said, I'm not going to do what I feel. I'm going to choose. I've been given power. Oh, this is so unspiritual today, isn't it? But it'll change your life if you get a hold of this. You do not have to go with what you feel in the morning. Mm, man, I'm preaching today. What would it mean for us to drive in Jesus' name? What would Jesus focus on? What would he listen to? Would he pray as he drove around town? Would he complain about the drivers? I mean, this, no, don't, don't get me wrong. A whole way home yesterday from camp, I listened to country music for half the trip and 80s rock for the other half the trip. I'm not saying you can never listen to unsecular, or you have to never listen to secular music. That's not what this is about. But obviously there's a time and a place, or there's, uh, if it's leading my heart somewhere, I don't want to listen anymore. But I can listen and celebrate and remember the good old days. My wife and I love, I mean, she posts about this on Facebook all the time. She loves, to, we love to ride in the car and sing country music together. Now, some of you may think less of me because of that, and some of you might think more of me because of that. But it's fun. And we love to just, it just, it stirs up old memories and it's a good time. That's not all we listen to. We listen to worship music when we travel at times. We listen to worship music at home. I rarely listen to country music in my office. Every once in a while when I just need a little pick-me-up, I try, you know, a little bit of country music. But you never know who's going to walk in, so you're like, okay, I don't know. But doing things in Jesus' name doesn't mean you do it the same way all the time either. It's not a formula. How do we watch television in Jesus' name? I mean, would Jesus only watch PBS? Which news would he watch, Fox News or CNN or none? Probably none. Or would he watch the Weather Channel just to be like, peace be still? <laughs> try, to, try to mess everybody up. <laughs> would he binge on Netflix? I mean, would Jesus ever watch like 15 episodes of his favorite show? And some people are like, oh no, Jesus would never do that. Jesus would never watch that. If it's not disordering your heart, I don't care. But be honest with yourself. I mean, there's a time to watch and there's a time to turn it off. And sometimes for a season, there's a time to turn it off, to make sure your heart is in the right place. It's not about this hair splitting, Jesus would never watch that TV show, Jesus would never read that kind of book. Don't split hairs with other people, but be honest about where your heart is going. What would it look like to do our household chores in Jesus' name? This crazy husband can't even turn his socks the right way, and I'm just so tired of this. And what's, what's being stored up in our hearts? 
kids, I tell these kids all the time, they just never listen. God, I have told these kids to turn their clothes right side out. Give them grace to learn how to do that. Oh, who does laundry that way? Come on, dishes. I told these people to rinse these things out. God, help my family have grace to remember to rinse things out so it doesn't ruin our dishes that you've provided for us. And some of you are like, oh, nobody lives that way. You're right, and that's the problem. We don't live that way. We're spirit-filled. We go have our church services, but we walk out and we're the meanest people on earth. We got to change a well-ordered heart. I love these services, but I want to see it happen out there. I want people to be like, how did you react that way to that person? Like, I would have punched them. Well, let me tell you, in my old days, I would have punched them. But Jesus has given me a well-ordered heart, and his spirit empowers me. Let me tell you about it. That's the kind of conversation I want to have with people. How do we spend money in Jesus' name? I mean, would Jesus always buy generic? Or would Jesus splurge? Would Jesus get great value ice cream or would he go to pop? Praise the Lord, can I get a witness there? <laughs> but you can't live at pop or you're not going to be able to pay your bills. <laughs> Someone remind me of that this week when they get Cherry Amaretto back. There's a time and a place. There's a time to get the filet mignon. And then there's a time to eat ramen noodles. I mean, it's not balance. It's just understanding that there is a time for everything. If you think Jesus would always buy plain clothes, then buy plain clothes. But he told Solomon, I dress the, the lilies of the field, and it's splendorous. I mean, Solomon was dressed extravagantly. I mean, so many of us are afraid of the prosperity gospel that we're just like, we're going to go to the opposite extreme and just be plain. We celebrate the giftings of God. And God has created these great clothes through his people, and I'm going to wear some of them. The question is, do I become overprotective of my stuff? Does my stuff start to have me? Don't touch that. You might break it. Ooh, or we get so, I get so mad at these kids. Man, they just break everything. That's a sign of a disordered heart, not a sign that you need more obedient children. Ouch. Colossians 3, 5, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. When your stuff has you, that's idolatry. When someone says, hey, can I borrow that from you? And you're like, no. I mean, what's the Bible say? If someone needs from you, lend, give it. Well, they're, they're probably going to break it. Well, pray over it before you give it to them. <laughs> I know, and I know, I know there's boundaries. I get it. I get it. Surely if we're going to shop in Jesus' name, eventually we're going to say no to something. But every once in a while, isn't it fun to just say yes? Yeah. I mean, when your kids expect you to say no and you say yes, there is nothing like that moment. Or when your spouse expects that. Yeah, sometimes it's a yes. So we're going to need to choose our path for transformation. This isn't just going to happen automatically. We have got to intentionally choose to be to allow our lives to be spiritually transformed. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work, but you and I have to listen to Him and make some changes. And we are invited every single moment of every single day, Colossians tells us, everything we do in the name of the Lord Jesus, everything we say in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've got to keep our hearts. We've got to be proactive to keep things out. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to got to keep our hearts proactive to keep things in guard our hearts to keep things out and pay attention to the moments that are happening in our lives so let's put this list back up here again let's look at this this is this is not an exhaustive list this is just some of the ones we talked about today some of the ones that he's got in the chapter and you're going to have to let the holy spirit speak to you where do you need to start for some of us it's going to be how we wake up in the morning if you've been telling people all your life you're just not a morning person God, help me to be a morning person. I mean, what you're saying is, God, if there is someone that needs to be saved, they cannot come across my path in the morning. I know we would never say that, but that's what we're saying. Oh, but if it was someone that needed saved, I'd act differently. Sometimes you just don't know. And generally, the people that need saved are the most irritating. And if I'm, if I'm grumpy in the morning, it's over. And think of the subtle ways we do it. Oh, don't talk to me till I have my morning coffee. 
No, please talk to me first thing because I've got everything I need for life and godliness. I love coffee and I'm going to have one in the morning, but I don't need it because I've got something better than coffee. I've got the Spirit of God and He can change everything. He can make a genetically wired non-morning person a morning person. And I think that's even harder than raising the dead. Amen? How you greet people. Think about it. When you see someone coming that you just, oh, I know how this is going to go. Oh, yep, you do. I know we're all guilty of this. God, give me grace in this conversation. Give me grace in this moment. Help me not to be correcting everything they say. Help me to listen. Help me be slow to speak. How we eat. I mean, skinny people eat crap too. And so it's not about whether you're overweight or underweight today. I mean, I know something has to change in the way I eat. I mean, sugar is not one of the main food groups. And to think that that doesn't have any effect on our physical bodies, well, I'll just go to the prayer line. No, eat better. Yeah, have sugar. Don't let sugar have you. How you drive, how you work, how you shop, how you use the internet, how you watch television, whether or not you go to bed at night. Oh, I'm a night owl. Stop it. You know why you're not a morning person? Because you stay up late. Ask Jesus to help you fall asleep. Go to the doctor and get something to help you fall asleep until you develop a pattern of going to bed early. I mean, people used to go to bed when the sun went down and got up when the sun came up. That's kind of how we're wired to live as human beings. I get it. Some of you work different shifts. This isn't for everybody. But some of us, our lives are disordered because we're choosing something we're genetically predisposed to and we're making excuses for it. And we don't see how that's connected to our spiritual stagnation. I love this chapter because it, it's so practical for us. It may take some time for these things to work themselves out in our lives. They're not a pill. They won't be quick. It may take years for this to change in our lives. Some of it may happen faster. Above all, keep humility. And don't ignore the warning signs. The things that come out of our mouths this week, don't make excuses. Don't blame them on someone else or something else. Own it. Man, my heart needs to be ordered there. Wow. Holy Spirit, thank you for letting me see that. I need to change. Something needs to change there. Start that work and show me how to cooperate with you. That's the prayer we make when we fail. When that stuff comes out of our mouths, don't let fear or selfishness or insecurity or unmet expectations Trust Him. Trust Him. And develop a well-ordered heart. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you, if you're in the room today and you have never began a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Spirit has never come to live inside of you, you've never confessed your sin, you've never said, hey God, I've been doing it my way, but I trust you now. Jesus died in my place, I believe it. I know we didn't talk a lot about it today, but that's what we believe is the starting point. The Bible says every one of us has sinned, we've broken God's law, we've gone our own way, and when we admit that, and we trust that Jesus took the punishment for that by shedding his blood in our place, and we accept that, we confess him as Lord of our lives, then God puts his spirit inside of us and that is the starting point. And if you're here today and you've never started that and you wanna start that today, would you just put up your hand just so I know there's not people looking around, everyone else is praying right now. And so if you're in the room and that's you, put up your hand and say, hey, that's me, I wanna start today. I wanna, I wanna invite the spirit of God to live in my life. I want that new spirit in me. Is there anyone in the room that that's you? And I'm going to trust that we've done that. But maybe for you, the Holy Spirit has put his finger on something already. And if you're in the room and you can say, hey, the Holy Spirit's already put something on my, my heart right now that I know I need to work on. Would you just slip up your hand? Say, hey, that's me. That, I'm ready. I know what it is. I know what it is. There's some hands going up. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. I'm going to work on it this week. You don't have to tell me. You just need to tell him. Here's my last question. 
If you're in the room and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know that there's anything specific yet, but I know, I believe that I need a well-ordered heart. I need a well-ordered heart. Let me see your hand. I need a well-ordered heart. Jesus, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. I want you to put your hands out in front of you in um, what we call a receiving posture. And I just want to pray over us today. And so there's nothing significant about it. It's just a posture that says, I want to drink in the rain that the Holy Spirit's about to pour out on us. And so, Father, we agree with your word today that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. We bring good words and good deeds out of the good that's stored up in our heart. And first of all, thank you for giving us a new heart, for putting your spirit inside of us, giving us a new spirit, for giving us everything we need for life and godliness. Forgive us for blowing past the roadblocks and the warning signs. Forgive us for making excuses. Forgive us for hardening our hearts in areas. And Holy Spirit, over this next month, as we really dig into some of the practical areas of life that you want to transform, speak plainly and clearly to each person. For those that you've already put a finger on and said, hey, here's where you got to start. Thank you for that. Give them the grace and the mercy that they need to follow through with that. Give them the accountability they need for it. But God, for those in this room that maybe, hey, we're open to it, we're just not sure where to start. Holy Spirit, make it plain. Help us to hear our words with fresh ears this week. To recognize the the murderous things that are coming out of our mouths or out of our lives. And help us not to excuse them. But just help us to yield and surrender more to you. And so Holy Spirit, thank you for the commitment that you've made to finish the work you've started in each of our lives. Now, give us grace to follow you this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today and uh, being a part of the service, praying for God to give you grace to live out this message as we go through this month. If you want a copy of the book, there still are a few out there. If you've not picked one up, I encourage you to do it. This is a great resource to keep around um, to help later on in life to come back to certain chapters that really spoke to you. Don't forget to stop by the table as you leave. The offering baskets are there. You can give online as well. 84321. You can text or you can use Church Center. And uh, thank you for being here. God bless you as you go.